welcome to Just James, the podcast. We hope this episode enlightens, illuminates, and illustrates a new outlook for your life. And now, here is our host. Well, hello, 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 everyone. You know who it is. It's your boy. It's me. It's me. It's P.J.V. And that's no cap. That's big facts. Welcome to the Just James Podcast, y'all. Man, whew. Man, the feedback that I've been getting, man, it's just been a blessing. It's just been a blessing. So to everyone that's been subscribing and been has been listening, uh, I mean, thank y'all so much for the support, for the love, for the text messages, for the DMs, man. Uh, if this podcast has been a blessing to you and helped you and informed you in some form of some fashion, please share it, man. Uh, I'm about to go into some more uh, deeper topics, and eventually I'm going to get off, off the spiritual side and do something else more so. Uh, practical side, not something else, but I always be spiritual. But um, I'm gonna kind of bounce back on certain topics that I think are pretty relevant and prevalent to certain matters that uh, we're facing now, not just uh, within the church, but in society. But for right now, we're gonna keep it for the most part in the church for right now. So uh, today's episode is titled Principles or Preference The Generational Gap in the Church. Principles or preferences so if you've been on social media you've probably seen this post you know uh take off take the take away the stages put back the altar you know take all take out all these lights off and turn turn out throw these regular lights on and all this stuff like that and uh, what i'm seeing now is a is like i said it's a, it's a generational gap uh, within the church, uh, older generation and younger generation. And um, I, th- I think the issue that we're having here is that many of our elders, oh, God bless them, love them. I thank God for uh, their time, their energy, their effort, and their investment into the body. Um, a lot of times they have pushed their preferences as principles when they're not. But I can't take away from the fact that at one point in time, their er- their elders uh, uh, pushed their preference as principles and they just accepted it. But as, uh, you know, if you're a millennial or Gen Z, you're not accepting it just because someone told you to. You want to know the reason why. why. Why are we doing this? Why is it like this? So case in point, I was uh, listening to uh, Powerhouse Chicago, Archbishop Hudson, love that man. God bless that man, his ministry. Anybody that's listening that's a part of Pilgrim Assemblies, man, God bless y'all. Um, he had a stacked uh, speaker list. I mean, Elijah Hanock, man, that man is a beast. That man is a beast of a preacher, the the ambidextrous uh, reformer. But he also had uh, the world-renowned uh, Winita Bynum. Okay? For those who don't know Winita Bynum, Back in the day, she had no more sheets, all right? Uh, did a woman without loose and different stuff for TDJs back in the day, okay? Um, so there's definitely no disrespect or dishonor to the legend that is uh, Juanita Bynum because I also understand her background. She comes out of a Kojic background. And, and shout out to anybody that's Kojic that's listening. And there's no knock to y'all because a lot of uh, what influenced my father and what influenced me is Part of the Kojic Church, so I'm not going. I cannot not holding this or holding this movement. 
Um, but I was listening to her and she mentioned something about the altar, you know, cause back in the day, you know, kids couldn't run up on the altar and run behind a pulpit. And she said something along the lines of, you can't just step on the altar because that's someone's lifeline. And I took a little bit of issue with that because one, that can only work if you're talking about the temple and there is no more temple. It's the church. If you're looking for a temple, the temple is my body. So the issue that I kind of have with it is that you're putting more spiritual emphasis on a church that is not the temple as opposed to our physical bodies, right? And <laughs> it it kind of disturbed me because I'm like... It's, and then she went on the tangent of the whole the whole thing, you know, you can't you can't do this with everybody because it's holiness and I agree. I'm not disagreeing with that. But at this point it's it's shallow. We've heard it. What else is there? What else is there? Right? So we have to address certain things and uh address certain things in a biblical fashion to get a better understanding of how certain things work. Um, eventually I'm going to do an episode talking about how to read the Bible. I think that's going to be a very uh, informative episode. But uh, one problem that I have with my uh, Pentecostal charismatic brothers and sisters, I love y'all too, God knows I do. I love y'all. But for them, many of them, for church history begins at Azusa. And what they're carrying on is the mannerisms of Azusa, not really knowing how or why certain things are done the way they're the way they're done, and they associate the attire of the Pentecostal movement with holiness when that's not the case. And when your beginning stages of your Christian experience begins at Azusa, you have done yourself a, a severe injustice because. From Azusa to now has only been a hundred years. You are missing complete nineteen hundred years of church history and influence and doctrine, and I think that's so sad. I think that's I think you're cheating yourself, and there's no not to our uh, Pentecostal forefathers, our Apostolic forefathers, um, who started Azusa. I believe that they were, they were very anointed men. I believe that they were very uh, intelligent men, but I don't think that they were informed men. And what I mean by informed men is that during that time, a lot of the resources that we have now, they didn't have. Like I don't think, especially in those times, they didn't have lexicons and concordances and Bible dictionaries. And if they did, it were probably uh, too expensive at the time to buy. And there's a strong possibility that many of them were illiterate. So now we're projecting, oh, you know, long hair is holding this, long dress is holding this. Now, if, if that's what you need to keep you on the straight and narrow path with God, do you, boo-boo. <laughs> I, I, I ain't knocking. If, if that's what keeps you in the faith, hey, man, look, hey, sister, my brother, God bless you, and you, and you fight on good Christian soldier. But when you, be, when you start to project your, your preferences on other people or other brothers and sisters in Christ and you're projecting yourself as the end all be all of the standard of Christianity like I said and you've ignored 1900 years of Christianity 
That's why I have a problem. I have a problem with that. So going a little bit deeper from my elders, uh, my, my for those who don't know, who never encountered my father, my dad was a church musician. He was an organist. So he grew up in a time where um, they didn't have uh, drums. They didn't have guitar. They had the piano, had an organ because... Well, some churches may have had uh, guitars, but most churches did not have drums because some people believe that the drums were the devil's instrument. And if you put uh, drums in the church, you were um, sullying the church. You were making the church profane. You were including the world in the church, right? And now you go to any church, if you ain't got no drum set, you, you, you ain't got nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So my daddy grew up in a time where he didn't have drums, man. So when he played, he played, he kept his own time. The drums didn't keep the time for him. So, and so what I noticed is that every generation has their own input on the church. So for one generation, it's instruments. Another generation, it's attire. One generation, it's the aesthetic of the building. Another generation, it's this. Another generation is technology. And for us, it's technology. So for us, it's the lights. You know, it's the smoke machines. It's all that. And I'm all for that. If you know me, I'm a big I'm a big tech guy. I love technology. I love, you know, my whole house is just filled with Apple. If you bring an Android around me, you'll probably be kicked out of my house. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a big tech person. So, and as a preacher, I ain't gonna lie, I love the lights. You know, so I love the fog machines. If I can get like fire to come out the floor, man, I will love it and I will enjoy it, you know. But I also believe in preaching the gospel. I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I believe that should be the center focus of our faith. And for some churches that have the lights and all that stuff, that's not their center focus. And then for some people that have the, they may have the uh, death, burial, resurre resurrection, but they don't have the appeal to the eye because we're dealing with people who have short, short attention spans now. They don't understand that. Um, so... You're going to have to do things to catch the eye psychologically. There, there are psychological ways to maintain people's attention, right? And I don't think people understand that aspect of presentation. They think, oh, I can do is preach the gospel and uh, that'll be fine, which I, I, I'm not going to disagree with that. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with, that, disagree with that at all. But when you're dealing, when you're in a world that is, Short attention span, that is, if it doesn't look appealing to them, they're not, at first glance, they're going to bypass it, okay? So, you want to do something that, that catches the eye, but maintains the integrity of the gospel. So, e even within uh, my church, I have my elders that love them to death. They're wise, they're prayerful, they, they love that word. One of my elders came to me. And she said, James, you know, I don't understand, you know, having all these lights and stuff like that in the church. Because when I see that, you know, uh, that was the club for me. And that's the thing I explained to her. That was for you. And that was for your generation. But for my generation, it's something completely different. It's a completely different thing. Because colors have meaning. Whether you believe it or not, there's going to be lights in heaven. Whether you believe it or not, there were actually lights in the temple. The The Bible says that uh, the light will shine off, the, off Aaron's breastplate which had all those crystals and gems on it. So it would be lights going on. The whole wall was decked out in gold. You know what I'm saying? So it was blinged out. You know what I'm saying? So when the light shined in, the whole room would illuminate because all the gold and the jewels that was in the temple. Okay? 
So when um, Nehemiah and Ezra and they were rebuilding the wall and rebuilding the temple, a lot of the older generation was upset with uh, was Zerubbabel. I don't think it was Zerubbabel. I can't remember. But uh, the one who was rebuilding the temple, uh, they was upset with him because it didn't look like the temple that Solomon built. But the younger generation were just happy to have a place to worship. So we see even in the Bible, there's a generational gap. The Bible says that the, those who remember Solomon's temple, they wept. They ripped their clothes. They were so upset. It didn't look like what they were used to. But the younger generation who never had the temple, never experienced it, were just happy to have a place to worship. So what I want for my elders to understand, we're not trying to push you away. Um, we're not trying to... Um, you know, reject you or say that anything that you did was just oh for getting bad. We just understand our generation now. And we cannot build the future of the church off of old school uh, preferences. Not even principles, but preferences. Because preferences are going to change. Society is going to change. And guess what? The things that I think are cool, the things that I think are, that are uh, innovative now are going to be old in the next 15, 20, 30 years. You know what I'm saying? I'm Eventually, I'm going to be outdated. Okay? And some young ladies, some young men who come up after me, I'm going to anoint them. I'm, I'm going to give them everything I have in ministry. You know, I'm going to support them. And I say, look, hey, young guy, hey, young girl. Hey, you, you take you take this banner and you go forward in the gospel, you know, but make sure you keep Jesus at the center of everything that you do. And as far as how you dress it up, you dress it up how you want to. Just so long as Jesus Christ is glorified and edified, you do you. Because I can't tell her what to do with this generation if I'm not a part of it. Or at least I'm not monitoring it and have my hand on the pulse of what's going on. And that's what happens. We we listen to our elders for certain things that are not relevant now. And there's no disrespect to them, nor dis, no disrespect to uh, their sensibilities, but it's understanding that we cannot keep this thing called the church the same. The church has always been a living, breathing organism that has adapted. But the only thing that hasn't adapted or shouldn't adapt it should be the gospel. That's the only thing that should stay the same. It should not be diluted. It should not be polluted. It should not be perverted. Okay. The gospel should be the gospel. Period. Okay. But how you dress it, if 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 you like, you know, lights and fog machines and, 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 and technology in the church and you want to do stuff with AI, you know, that's fine. That's cool. As long as you are glorifying Jesus, you know, as long as you're preaching Jesus, you know, as long as you're preaching that the only way you can be saved is through Jesus the Christ. I, I have no issue with that. But the issue that we're having is many people are getting those kind of things and they come and they're leaving away from the heart of Christianity, which is Christ. And that's very dangerous for our society, because at this moment, we're living in one of the most biblically illiterate eras of human existence. I mean, biblical illiteracy is at an all-time high from the, from the pew to the pulpit. Going back to uh, Winita Bynum, not saying that she's illiterate or not saying that she's not smart, 
But when, you, when you've been preaching the same sermon for the last 30 to 40 years and you've imputed some Judaism that you found, something is wrong. I understand that's what works for you. And I'm not knocking holiness preaching because I believe in holiness, okay? Don't get twisted. You got to live right. You got to live right. You can't live raggedy. You got to live right. I, I firmly believe that. Now, have I always lived right? No. Have I tried? Yeah. Have I been accountable for the things that I've done? Yes. Have I repented? Yes. Have I been accountable to my elders about the stuff I've done? Yes. Okay? So, I, I'm not anti-holiness preaching. But we have to have a a holistic holiness preaching because most holiness preaching is shallow. What do you mean, preacher? What do you mean that holiness preaching uh, is shallow? When you hear the word holy, you hear the you know we hear the word set apart, be ye separate, set apart, uh, 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 consecrated. You know you can't be like the world. Da 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 da. Which that's half of the definition, but there's two words that they miss. They miss distinct and unique. So part of me being holy, watch this, is being my full self in Christ. If someone doesn't know who they are, now they're subject to do the works of holiness without actually, without actual identity and actual revelation. Because when you know who you are, whose you are, and what you have a right to, there's certain, it makes living holy easier because there's certain things you just won't do because that's just beneath you. But when you don't know who you are, you'll fall for any and everything that feels good. That's why, that's why you're having to preach the same message over and over and over again because most of the people that are in our churches, old and young, have an identity crisis. We're in an identity crisis right now, not just within the world, but within the church. So much so, we have created entire doctrines and theologies and churches and denomination off of preference, not principle, preference. Because you don't do this my way, that I believe God revealed this to me, you're not living right. You're not doing it right. And then we ask the person saying that, hey, tested by the scripture. What does God, I know what God told me. I buy, 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 buy. And then they go on and they start their own church. You, you see, you see, all see what I'm getting at? And we do this because we have no identity and we're arguing over preferences, not principle. And we have to discern what is preference and what is principle. So, Pastor James, how do we discern between preference and principle? I'm glad y'all asked. Y'all such a good class. Oh my gosh, you're such a good class. How do we discern between preference and principle? What determines preference and principle is the Word of God. Now, going back to what I said about uh, many of uh, the early Pentecostal preachers in a, in a People who come from Azusa. They did not have the access to resources as we do now. 
Like right now, I can go on blueletterbible.org and I can look up the Masoretic text, the Texas Vatican News, the Texas Receptus, uh, the uh, uh, Septuagint, all that stuff, the, 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 the Latin Vulgate, all that is, accept, is, is accessible now for my usage so I can actually dig and understand the cultural context of what the Bible is saying at that time. But in, in the early 1900s, when Azusa was popping off, they didn't have that. All they had was the Holy Ghost fire, which I am not against Holy Ghost fire. Okay, but the Holy Ghost is not going to lead you. The whole almost oh, almost say that the Holy Ghost is not going. It's not going to read to you Greek and Hebrew. You got to search out the Greek and the Hebrew. And when I search up the Greek and the Hebrew, I read a lot of stuff that these folks been preaching ain't even Bible. They're preaching what they've heard, and they're preaching with a bias based upon what they read and what they've been around, not from authentic revelation. So you're going to have to challenge that theology. So one of the theologies that I'm challenging, especially if you grew up holding this Pentecost or whatever, you've heard this before, that you have, the, you know you have the Holy Ghost when you have in his evidence by speaking in tongues. That's not what the Bible says. First off, tongues is a gift and it's categorized as a power gift next to prophecy. And the Bible says gifts come without repentance. So that's the reason why you can speak in tongues at 11, cuss somebody out at 2, and gossip at 5. Because it's a gift. It has nothing to do with your character. So it's not the evidence. It's a evidence. Okay? The evidence of the Spirit is fruit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, all that stuff. That, that's the evidence of, of the Spirit. Because it's called what? The fruit of what? The Spirit. It, it comes directly from the Spirit. And you have the gifts of the Spirit. So my evidence that I feel with the Holy Ghost is not how well I... It's how well I treat you. It's how long-suffering I am with you. It's about how when I walk in the room... That there's a peace that follows me. It's, how, it's when I want to do something bad and the Holy Ghost convicts me. That's the evidence of the Holy Ghost. That's it right there. And that's what we're missing. So what we've done is we've made people put on this church costume. You got to wear a suit. You got to wear a tie. You can't have a beard. You can't wear this. You can't have that. You can't go here and you can't go here. But all that's a work of the flesh. But my holiness comes when I know who I am in him. So case in point, I remember um, a while back I was driving an old uh, 2010 uh, Ford Escape that I bought used at a Kia dealership and I checked the mailbox and uh, I got a letter uh, from Ford saying that there's been a recall on my car. So I'm thinking, yeah, let me just go ahead and uh, take this to uh, the place I bought it from and they should, you know, help me out or something like that, right? So I took it, drove it back to the Kia, to the Kia dealership where I bought it from and they said, hey, yeah, you may have bought it from us, but we didn't make the car. You got to take it to uh, the Ford dealership and they'll handle the recall. 
What am I saying, Pastor Vito? Is that many of us have gone to different people to fix us instead of the, instead of the God who made us. Because unity does not mean conformity. If I'm looking more like you and not looking like Christ, that's a problem. That's a problem. So we go on to people that, that's, that's rigging us up. Shade tree mechanics that's putting duct tape and paper clips. And we wonder why we just, you know, puff, 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 puffing through life. You know, we're misfiring through life. Not going into that fifth, sixth, seventh gear. Because we've allowed people who didn't make us, who don't know us, to, to work on us and make us in the way that they wanted to make us. Not according to the code and standard of what God says for us. And guess what? God, ooh, I mean, I like it for that. God's standard for you is not the same for me. Hold up. Are you saying that God is impartial, that he shows favoritism? No. What I'm saying is, yes, we all have to live holy. Yes, we all have to do right. Yes, we have to walk out the things of Christ. Yes, we all need fruits of the Spirit. Yes, we need, uh, that is the standard for, for all believers, whether you're Pentecostal, Wesleyan, Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, Catholic, whatever you are, what I just mentioned previously was the basic, you know, fruits of the spirit, believe in Jesus Christ, have faith, faith, uh, grace through faith, all that good stuff, five souls, all that good stuff, you know what I'm saying, all that good stuff, right? But my walk with Jesus is not your walk with Jesus because I have a completely different life than you and you have a completely different life than me. So he can't talk to me the way he talks to you. I'm not saying that he don't talk to you, but the language and a vernacular he uses with me, he don't use that same language and vernacular with you. Because for you, he may talk to you in King James English, because that's the only way that you'll receive it. But for me, he talked to me like, like one of the boys. Like, so, hey, James, what's good, man? So we're going to do whoop, 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 and blah, 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 blah. Because he knows how to handle me. He knows how to talk to me. He knows how to speak to me, and I listen and I obey. Right? So, because God in his infinite wisdom and knowledge knows what you need precisely. And he's not asking you to do anything extra. He just asks you to give him what you have. Whether great or small, whatever your capacity you have, give it to him. That is principle. Okay? But we have been slaves to people's preferences and wonder why we're not measuring up and wonder why when things are not going that way, we compare ourselves to the people that we're not measuring up and uh, we think that God ain't real or God doesn't care about us because our life don't look like theirs. It's not going to. It's not, it's not designed that way. So preferences puts pressure on people who don't know their purpose. Well, that's good. That, that's good. Preferences puts pressure on people who don't know their purpose. I'm going to say it again. Preferences puts pressure on people who don't know their purpose. And you've become a slave to people's preference and you completely miss the principle of what God has been saying the whole time. So you want that old time way. Well, you know what? There's churches for you if you want that old time way. And no knock to them. I believe that I, I understand people's beef with denominationalism, but I understand the purpose of it because it's something for everybody. 
Not everybody likes the the lights and the sound and and, and the beaten music. Some people like hymnals and and old school stuff, and that, and that's fine. If you like that, go for it. But don't knock somebody else. What did Jesus say? Uh, um, when uh, one of the disciples said, "Oh, they're preaching, they're preaching this, and they're not with us." Jesus, he said, "They're not preaching anything bad. Leave them be." The, Jesus always talking about he has sheep of another. He has another flock that's that's not over here. He has other flocks. So not every flock is going to look the same. It's going to sound the same. Or it's going to graze in the same place. But we're all part. We're all on the thousand hills that belongs to the Lord. Okay? And he knows where to place us so everybody can get what they need. So you won't lack. I won't lack. She won't lack. And he won't lack. And that's how good God is. So when it comes to the generational gap, when it comes to this a discourse of oh this new generation da 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 I'ma say this and I'm gonna end on this man there's things that our OGs need from us and there's things that we need from our OGs okay we need our OGs to train us on how to do this life thing how to how to how to pray how to fast how to live right we need that okay but our OGs need us in order to keep them updated and abreast of what's going on in society and keep them youthful everybody has a purpose Everybody has usefulness in the body of Christ. But sometimes we have to learn, when, as the song says, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. Okay? And it's okay. Look, when I become an OG, you know, whatever God has me, there's going to be there's gonna be something that's going to come up that I'm probably not going to agree with. You know, I'm probably not going to agree with it. But my question is going to be is, is God, is Jesus the center of what they're trying to do? And if Jesus is the center of what they're trying to do, and Jesus is glorified and edified, I have no problem with it. may not like it, but if Jesus is the center of it, I'm cool with it. I ain't got no beef with it. So I think that's the purpose. That's what to look at. When we're doing something, how is Jesus getting glorified out of this? Because sometimes Jesus' glory means you're going to get uncomfortable. It's not going to make you feel good. It's not going to be what's convenient to you. But it's going to be what's good for the body as a whole and in the growth and the advancement of the church. So, hey, y'all, that's my time. Hey, man, love y'all. Thank y'all for listening. Thank y'all for subscribing. Man, share if you like the if you like the podcast, man. Share and subscribe this, man. If you would like to place an ad or you'd like to support the podcast, please do. Um... I think my platform, I think my giving platforms are on Podbean. There should be something up on my Apple Podcast as well. So um, please do, man. Please support. Please show your love. Uh, thank y'all so much. And God bless y'all. Thank you for listening to Just James, the podcast. If this episode helped you and you know it can help someone you know, please like, follow, subscribe, and share from all platforms to stay updated on new episodes. In the meantime and in between time, peace and increase.